Hello music and movie fans, this is Sachin, your host on Sachin on Cinema and Sound, and I'm joined here today by my father. Happy to be here, thanks for the invite, Sat, I appreciate it. Looking forward to our discussion. As am I, because today we're reviewing a very special album. This is John Lennon and Yoko Ono's Double Fantasy from 1980. Uh, so this album has become very iconic and I think kind of synonymous, like one of the first uh, pieces of art that's really been synonymous with 1980s culture because it's closely linked with John Lennon's uh, murder which actually took place three weeks after this album was uh, released. Even before that, however, this album was notable for being John Lennon's return to, the, to creating music after a five-year hiatus. This hiatus was voluntarily brought on by him after the birth of his son, Sean, with his wife, Yoko Ono, who, of course, wrote some, uh, half of the songs on this album. Uh, so this album takes on kind of a dialogue of form between them, where he sing, sing, performs someone's song that he wrote, and that's followed by one of the songs that she wrote. They somewhat alternated. There are seven songs uh, for John, there are seven songs for Yoko, uh, and uh, they alternate with the exception of John has the first, the final song on side A and the first song on side B, and to even that out, Yoko has the final two tracks on side B. Yeah, and I, I think that when one hears that he took, uh, that this is like his big comeback album five years after being absent from uh, from creating music, with except for like the occasional recording, the occasional demo tracks, one could either anticipate that he could have gone rusty over those five years or he would have emerged at the top of his game after collecting and writing uh, a lot of great material over those five years. It is definitely at the latter. I think that this is one of his best albums. Uh, I think that two, the, the, the albums that are considered his best ones are his first one, Plastic on the Bank, and the second one, Imagine. But uh, for me, this has actually always been my second favorite album after I even like it more than Imagine. I think there's... There's just a lot of... It feels like a very fresh album. Uh, he's really... Uh, the, he just kind of... It feels like he was holding in all these music ideas over the years. And it, he just explodes with a lot of... Uh, it's with a lot of like... Per, about how what's been going on in his personal life over the past five years. Uh, since he hasn't really been using music to share that with uh, with the public. I would definitely say this was a triumphant return for John Lennon. And you're right, it is, uh, it's largely, it seems, autobiographical, uh, really relaying his and Yoko's experiences over the course of their relationship. Uh, they actually, in the uh, inner sleeve, uh, have a subheading for Double Fantasy, which says a heart play. And it does somewhat come across as a play, going through uh, songs early on to talk about their initial love, uh, just like starting over, kiss, 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 followed by uh, some songs where they start to have some problems in their relationship, which they did in fact have, uh, and then all of a sudden they have a son, Sean, and a beautiful boy emerges. Mm -hmm. 
uh, followed by Watching the Wheels, which is uh, describing his five years of exile from the music scene. And then uh, the rest of side two, following that track, talking about their, their love uh, for each other. Yeah, I, I feel like it's really clever how it takes a kind of linear approach, starting with their early years of lo love and then progressing to what is the present. And I think it's really uh, made further impactful by how it alternates between their two different perspectives. And that's even more emphasized when uh, there were a couple of when during a couple instances where one of uh, Lennon's songs transitions directly into uh, Yoko's next song. This happens between I'm Losing You and I'm Moving On. And then again, in uh, probably one of my favorite transitions uh, be between Watching the Wheels and I'm, I'm Your Angel. Uh, so you were actually uh, fortunate enough to be around when this album first released. So how do you, how did this uh, listening to this again forty years after the fact, uh, did it like change your impressions of the album? Well, it really did because when the album first came out, I was in college, and you know we were very big Beatles fans. Uh, Yoko Ono, not so much. <laughs> <laughs> so what we would typically do is we would play the album, but we would skip over the Yoko songs. So you would get all the beauty of the John Lennon uh, lyrics and the melodies and, and just a terrific songwriter, and you really got to appreciate that sound. Uh, what was lost, however, is that when you listen to the entire album, including the Yoko songs, you do get more of a sense of the fact that this all flows in a certain way, mirroring their relationship and their history, it's a little bit of a play, as they say, and you kind of lose some of that. So when we were listening to this album back then, it was just a bunch of great songs by John Lennon. Listening to it now and listening to it all the way through, I really get a far more nuanced appreciation of what this album is, and it's a lot deeper and more emotive than I would have originally thought. Um, the other thing about this was that, you know, with the death of John Lennon at that time, there was more of a focus on John Lennon, so you wanted to listen to John Lennon. You listened to John Lennon's songs and probably didn't focus as much on Yoko because we had this sense of loss. Um, and it wasn't just the loss of John Lennon, it was the loss of the Beatles, because we always had the hope, unlikely as it was, that the Beatles would get together again, that there'd be a Beatles reunion. And when I first found out about John Lennon, my, um, one of my partner mates came in and said, there will not be a Beatles reunion. <laughs> and I thought it was, there was going to be a punchline. I thought it was a joke because he was a mm -hmm. kind of big jocular guy. And I said, okay, well, why not? And he said, they just shot John Lennon. And... Your world is rocked because John Lennon was really a man of peace. And who would be most unlikely to be the victim of a gun violence in the early 1980s other than John Lennon? I completely agree that. I think the only way to really appreciate this album in the way that uh, they intended it to be appreciated is by listening to all the 14 tracks uh, in order and not just like cherry picking out Lennon's 
songs. Uh, it could have, maybe it was because I listened to this for the years after Lennon's murder, but uh, yeah, this album had a really immediate impression on me, and I really understood what they were trying to do with it. And I think when I told you or recommended that we choose listen to this album as the next podcast, and you kind of joked about whether we had to listen to Yoko songs. Uh, I I thought that this would be, it would probably be an interesting part of this podcast. Like we would may have to debate a bit about whether uh it would it was it would be better to listen to the album as the album or more as an EP with just Lennon songs. And I thought it would, you know. The irony of that would be that it, it would lose the double from the double fantasy. It would just be single fantasy. I have to tell you that listening to Yoko's songs, um, I expected to hear tracks that were two to three minutes in length of somebody just screeching um, unnecessarily. That was not at all what these songs really were. Um, so the impression that we had back in those college days um, there really is more to Yoko Ono's music than um, our, our impressions were back then. Uh, and whether or not we even form those impressions based on it, having heard any prior Yoko songs or just our initial impression of somebody who potentially broke up the Beatles uh, may have colored our uh, impressions of her. Uh, but yeah, the songs were actually quite a bit better than I had expected. Yeah, me too. I, I, I was familiar with, uh, I immediately kind of sought out Yoko's, some of Yoko's earlier musical works uh, online when I first found out about her, just to kind of give myself a good laugh. Uh, because a lot of her earlier stuff is pretty much avant-garde, just for the sake of being avant-garde. There is a, uh, like there's a, maybe like an eight-minute song from her first album that that's just her screaming why over like some random guitar notes and i think that songs like that created a certain notoriety for yoko and led us to think that that's all yoko was yeah this this is probably definitely the best some of yoko's best works i've heard for her uh, again maybe the bar wasn't necessarily set that high going into it but it, it, her songs feel like they do have a, a very well defined purpose that is like the same the same as purposes uh or meanings of existence that John's songs have. They are actual songs, they're not just noise. Yeah. Uh and another thing that's interesting is of course one thing that really drove this album is uh this Lennon's uh relationship uh relationships with like his family dynamics with both both his five-year-old son Sean and then his wife Yoko. It was also inspired by a sailing trip I think he took to Bermuda. Uh, he was on a yacht and the rest of the crew uh, succumbed to fatigue and seasickness except for John so he had to take the wheel and uh, basically uh, control the ship for several hours on this all on his own and that uh, had a really big impact on him for restoring his confidence, and uh, it reminded him, rather ironically, of the fragility of life. 
And I think you've also mentioned the fact that uh, Paul McCartney uh, actually had a hand in getting him back into the music studio. Uh, yeah, he did, indirectly. We, we already reviewed his uh, album, McCartney 2, which uh, the lead single of that album was coming up. And uh, John Hurt was in the, I think, the taxi or some kind of cab when he, uh, when he was hearing the song on the radio, and then he was... Uh, shocked, he said something like, screw a pig, that's Paul, when he, uh, like, heard who it is, uh, and, indeed, it sounds very, uh, it's, it's very experimental for Paul McCartney, I, I th I'm not at all surprised that, he was surprised that, uh, his former musical competitor, uh, really knew how to, I guess, create something that sounded, sounded very 80s. And I, f I feel like Lennon, he didn't, he definitely didn't lose, uh, lose his foothold on the music scene. This album feel, feels very, like, 80s. Uh, another thing that's interesting is that this album actually didn't do that well uh, when it was first released. In the US, it peaked at number 11, and then the UK, it peaked at number 14, but then it actually dropped... Uh, down to number 46. Uh, so the sales were definitely sluggish. And I think that is surprising considering that it was his five year, his big comeback after five year, his five years absence from the music industry. Uh, but then of course, his uh, assassination changed everything and it jumped pretty near instantly to number one and stayed there for quite some time because of the impact of his death. Uh, the reviews also weren't that good initially, with a lot of people saying that it was definitely overindulgent in his lifestyle, and it kind of gives the impression that John and Gilgo, uh thought people cared a lot more about their marriage than they actually do. Uh, of course, reviews were a lot of the negative reviews from prominent critics were uh, redacted after the assassination and uh, largely replaced by positive ones. I think the crowning, uh, like, a, a sign of the, the album's success was how it actually won Album of the Year at the 1982 uh, uh, Grammys. And one thing that I really kind of think about hypothetically is if his assassination never happened, uh, how this album would be viewed today if it would be viewed as... Uh, some kind of like masterpiece acceptance of like middle age and uh, like providing a really unique window into family dynamics or if it would have kind of escaped where it was. I think it definitely would have been, would be much better received now than it would have been uh, because I think good music is good music. And I, and when I'm listening to this album, I'm not constantly thinking about uh, the implications of his murder. Uh, yeah, good music is good music, and I just love the intimacy of this album. But on the other uh, standpoint, if he had not been assassinated, who knows what other music uh, he would have produced in the following years. And Double Fantasy, while a great album, might have been overshadowed by some of his later uh, offerings as he continued to grow as a musician. The, the songs on this album are really, you know, first 
Right. Uh, and I think it shows the tremendous talents that John Lennon had as a songwriter. Uh, and you know, who knows what else we uh, would have been able to enjoy over the years afterwards. Yeah, I completely agree. Uh, a lot of people saw kind of his first see his first albums as masterpieces, uh, and then he kind of uh, generally slumped musically after that. But I think this album really demonstrates his ability to really make a big comeback. And I mentioned how uh, like I'm not constantly thinking about the implications of his murder when listening to this album, but there are. Like some, generally some lyrics that seem almost too strange to be true, uh, kind of like ominous of what would eventually happen. I think one of these is from Beautiful Boy when he said, which is a song, of course, dedicated to his son Sean. Some of the lyrics are, I can hardly wait to see you come of age, but I guess we'll both just have to be patient. Which, of course, he, you know, never even got the opportunity to wait. And then, uh, Yo- and then Yoko had the final song on the album, which is Hard Times Are Over. Uh, I think it was supposed to be very embraceful of uh, kind of like their, the end of their seclusion from the music industry, and they were really going to embrace their good fortunes in the, the future, which uh, unfortunately didn't quite turn out that way. So what were some of your favorite songs from the album? Well, I, you know, as you would expect, the first songs on each side of the album were the strongest, and they were just terrific songs. Just Like Starting Over kicks off the album, uh, and then uh, Watching the Wheels is the first song on side B. And I think that's the way albums were constructed back then. You put your best tracks at the beginning of each side. Uh, now we listen to CDs uh, or streaming uh, albums, mm-hmm. and I think you try to pack more of your hits towards the uh, front of the CD. Uh, just a different way of doing things. But those are really very catchy tunes that uh, told a story and uh, really communicated very well. Yeah, I completely agree that those are generally some of the strongest songs on the album. I think when we were listening to this, I, I mentioned as the first song, just like Starting Over, came on that it's probably my favorite song on the album. And this actually released as the lead single, backed with Yoko Ono's uh, song Kiss Kiss Kiss, which is the next song. But then I think I eventually realized that it's not really an album that uh, that I can like easily choose my favorite from, because I think Beautiful Bo- Boy, Darling Boy is... Uh, yeah, it's such... There's really such a loving intimacy between, uh, like that he's definitely admitting his love for his son Sean in it, uh, and of course he mentioned watching the wheels, which is another one of my favorites, uh, and then this may be a challenge, but if you had to choose your favorite Yoko songs from the album, which ones would they would they be? That is a challenge. <laughs> um. The uh, songs towards the end of the album are a bit more upbeat with positive messaging. Uh, and I'm not sure that Yoko is necessarily known for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I probably enjoyed those more. Uh, but at the same time, it is bittersweet because, you know, as you mentioned, 
Hard Times Are Over, while it's a, a positive, upbeat song and message, uh, you realize that with what happened to John, uh, her hard times were not over, and uh, in large part, were just beginning. Yeah, it's very sadly ominous, and likewise, I think Hard Times Server is probably one of my favorite, uh, probably my favorite one of her songs on the album. Uh, she she, she f- f- had the big duty of closing this album, and I think she did succeed in uh, kind of compl- making the album come full circle, and really their kind of embracement of uh, not looking back on uh, the sc- on I guess some of the tougher moments of their relationship, like when he temporarily left her, they temporarily separated in the early seventies. Uh, and it's like very confident outlook on the future with raising their son and their return to the music industry. And I think another one of her side I, I, I uh, like is I'm Your Angel, which has kind of a comforting, like old timey whiny feel to it. Yeah, the, the uh, Yoko tracks on side B are definitely mm-hmm. more upbeat. Uh, as you mentioned, they did have their difficulties uh, in their relationship, and that is to be found on the first side, where you've got uh, John's I'm Losing You and Yoko's I'm Moving On songs back-to-back. Another thing that's interesting is that this album was actually uh, co-produced by John, Yoko, and then someone else named Jack Douglas. And he, uh, uh, when he listened to the demos that... John and Yoko brought him. He his first impressions were that it, he would have a hard time uh, improving from the demos because there was so much intimacy in the demos to begin with. And yeah, I'm not surprised because even at their core, not just production wise, but in terms of the lyrics and the ideas that are expressed, this album is really filled with uh, the intimacy of Lennon's family dynamics and his acceptance of middle of what it means to be at middle age and it's really sad that uh for us that we couldn't get more that we couldn't really get more work from him and ideas and of course sad that uh the family that this album celebrates uh didn't have much longer to really thrive in the way it was yeah this is uh john's uh final gift to us and uh uh, it was really a terrific accomplishment, and uh, glad that we were able to enjoy it. Well, thank you for tuning in, and this is such a non-cinema and sound. <laughs>